Welcome to Reflect the Life You Want, where we talk about not only how to survive, but to thrive. I'm your host, Tim Howard, man school strategist, former Army officer, successful Homes for Heroes real estate agent. This show will focus on living a life of greatness, of wholeness, and completeness. This show will be talking about our dreams, our goals, and how to go about creating them. So join me to learn how to reflect and design the life you want to live. Hello, this is Tim Howard, the host of Reflect the Life You Want, and I'm especially excited today to have as my special guest, Joanna DeMott from the UNC University of North Carolina Wilmington Military Affairs Program. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Well, I appreciate you coming in on relatively short notice to be a guest. And uh, I was just thinking yesterday, um, we're recording this a day after Veterans Day. It'll come out in a couple more weeks, but uh, your husband serves on active duty still in the Marine Corps. Yes, he retired in 2019. Yeah. 23 years. 23 years. Okay. So he's now retired. Okay. He is. Awesome. Well, we were talking a little bit before the show is... um, uh, about your ability to become a part of this military affairs program at University of North Carolina Wilmington. So what I like to do with my guests is just to kind of give a little bit about your personal background, your professional background, how you got to do what you're doing now, what are you passionate about? So as we get into some conversations, our, our listeners have a little bit of context of who Joanna is and what she brings to the party. Wonderful, yeah. So. I'm um, a child. I was born in Virginia, right near Quantico. Um, I have a lot of military history in my family, and uh, starting in World War One and, and moving on. I met my Marine. That's what I say. I met my Marine uh, in. Gosh, I was 19. I won't say the year. Uh, <laughs> very young. Um, he moved out to Arizona, and we we dated long distance, and we just couldn't we couldn't do that anymore. So we. Got married in 2000 and uh, moved to Okinawa, Japan. And we've been through nine different moves, mm-hmm. three different countries, East Coast, West Coast, all that. When I married him, I was on a career track with a Fortune 500 company. So that obviously did not continue in the early 2000s. We didn't have all this amazing technology. Yeah. So I've, I've done several different things, many career paths, winding all over the place. And mm-hmm. so... What I love about my job at the university is that my experience as a military spouse and the connections that I've made and the challenges and opportunities that I've seen, I can bring that to campus and help our military-affiliated students navigate those winding pathways. Mm-hmm. And what I like to do in my you know, free time or on the side is help military spouses achieve their potential and continue a career if they so choose or start a business or go to school all of those things. So I like to be that kind of Sherpa that helps military yeah. spouses navigate the, the pathways. A Sherpa for the mill spouse. That's cool. That's, well, you and I first met a few years ago. I'm a Homes for Heroes realtor, and I'm an Army veteran, so I give back to people who active duty, retired, or veteran military and other local heroes. And when you started working with Bill Kaczynski at the university in the military affairs program, we first connected then. So... It's great to have you on the show, and one thing that I've always admired about you is is your passion about helping other military spouses, and I've seen you in the last few years just be consistent about how you're doing that, how you're reaching out in the community up, up in the Jacksonville area and here locally in Wilmington. Um, 
because you understand that you you've been in that role you know what it's like to be a military spouse you know what it's like some of the sacrifices that military families have made especially in recent 20 years or so multiple deployments and oftentimes the family's making a greater sacrifice than the military member themselves i mean i i i never like that you know spouses serve two thing it, mm-hmm. i think it's maybe some that what um when the service members did, you know, they separate and mm-hmm. that term veteran, how it's hard to own that a little mm-hmm. bit, it's uncomfortable. For me, that is uh, uncomfortable as spouses serve too. And many spouses enjoy that. Uh, I'm not one to do that. I do feel like it was a, a duty to help hold the home front and mm-hmm. support and do what I could. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a lifestyle. It's yes. a very um, challenging lifestyle. Yes, uh, it that is. word resilient gets thrown in a lot. <laughs> sometimes we love it, sometimes we hate it, but yeah. it, it is what it is. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about the uh, the military affairs program at the university and some of the outreach you have going on in the Jacksonville area, and just tell us about that whole program. Sure. So in the Office of Military Affairs, we want to do whatever we can to help students uh, before they start school, when they're in school. Uh, when they graduate and then beyond. So what I like to focus on, they call me the mobile unit. I'll go anywhere and do anything. And that's how we met, right? Yeah, not, yeah. Oh, there's something going on. I'm there, right? Yeah. Um, that's my, my focus is really, I will see prospective students sometimes when I'm up on the air station. That's where my office is, is on the New River Air Station. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I like the beyond piece mm-hmm. for me and the outreach piece, just creating an awareness of our office, what we can do, and that we really do care. And I think when you look at this kind of ecosystem of military support is that there are lots of organizations, thousands, I think Mm -hmm. 40,000 nationwide, but how many of them are really in there, are really doing that? How many can say, yes, we've helped this many, you know, veterans or um, transitioning service members, spouses find jobs. What are we doing? Mm -hmm. What are we really doing? Or are we just taking grant money and and just kind of making it look good? Yeah. I like to... The optics are great, but I want some substance behind those. Absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah you want to know that your efforts are really making a difference for people's lives. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Well, you are. I know I you are. And so it's, uh, it's, it's great that we have people such as yourself that are dedicated to making a difference in people's lives. And, uh, you know, this, this area, Wilmington, Jacksonville, the greater area, huge concentration of military service members on active duty a lot of retirees uh, i think i heard brunswick county uh, the county to the west of us is like one of the highest concentrations of veterans of any county certainly in the state and possibly the and maybe in the country i don't know but it's, it's just a huge percentage of veterans in the area and so um, definitely a, a strong heart for and support for our active duty military members in our area so what you're doing to help, I think, um, especially military s- spouses, uh, there's been so much that's gone on, especially the last 20 years. Some of it's kind of winding down a little bit now, but there's just been so many deployments mm-hmm. that uh, families have been separated and the support that has been needed and the opportunities for, for job creation and financially for them to go out and have success. and be a single parent for a period of time and raise children has been significant. Part of what we do at the university uh, for the UNCW faculty and staff, but now my coworker Melanie Nelson and I have taken that to the community colleges and have 
talked to uh, over 80 different universities and colleges about what we call the green zone concept. Mm -hmm. And that's really um, just a, a cultural understanding of what it's like to be in the military. And what I see in employers that are really concerned with serving this population is that they are coming to understand what that culture is mm -hmm. like. Prior to working at the university, I was a family readiness officer with the Marine Corps. And that is really somebody who is concerned with the personal and family readiness of Marines and sailors in that command. Mm -hmm. And so having those resources, knowing which ones are good, being able to vet them is really important in both of these positions that I've had. And so if you understand what that, what, exactly what you said, that there are these deployments, Let's understand the cycle of deployment. Let's talk about what you know reintegration looks like. Mm -hmm. If you can understand that as an employer and one of your military spouses has their service member coming back from deployment, you can do so much for that person. And just showing that you care. We are a population that is committed. We mm -hmm. will stick it, we, will, we are loyal. Mm -hmm. And so if you can take that little bit of time to understand what our lifestyle's like, we will go far for you, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Well, it's a great, um, a great program, and the, the level of commitment. And, and I've just seen it grow in, in recent years. Involved with the military affairs program at the UNCW, a little bit, a little bit with the Cape Fear Community College, a little bit with Brunswick Community College, and just um, the leadership you guys are providing and building support for that whole community of our active duty military and their spouses is crucial to our local economy and crucial to uh, this part of the state because it's such a big part of who we are. Mm -hmm. And the more success I think you have with in helping provide resources and helping provide that support just does, does good for everybody in the area. Absolutely, and we're happy to work with any of our partners, especially with those that have that pathway to excellence like mm -hmm. Brunswick Community College. Mm -hmm. Last week we did a green zone training for 50 faculty and staff for Cape Fear Community College. and. What a wonderful opportunity. Their population's a little different than ours, yeah. but it was just really nice to get out there and see people who really want to understand how to best serve this community. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, we were uh, talking a little bit ahead of the show, you know, the theme of the Mirror Book Project by my co-author Maria Spears is Reflect the Life You Want, and that's the name of the, the podcast. And I asked you ahead of the show of, you know, is there an area within that reflect acrostic that especially resonated with you that you might want to share a little bit about your own life experience with. And, and you were talking about this idea of my level of acceptance each day right. and kind of ties into the each day to be grateful chapter. So I wondered if you'd, you'd share with us and the listeners what you're learning about that and how that's shaping and impacting your life. Absolutely. So every day, maybe multiple times a day, I have to ask myself, what is my level of acceptance right yeah. now? What is my level of acceptance being here with you today, Tim? You know, what is my level of acceptance? Because the higher my level of acceptance, the higher my level of gratitude. Yeah. The higher my level of gratitude, the, the happier I am. Mm -hmm. And if I'm happier than my family, you know, my husband, my three boys, they're happier. And if they're happier, we can reach out to the community and the community's happier. It's just spreading it just that little question that I ask myself each day mm -hmm. helps create the life that I want, mm -hmm. right? Reflecting that. Yes, yes, absolutely. You're living it out. It's interesting. I was at a, uh, a real estate-related conference up in Richmond, Virginia a few weeks ago, and this lady was talking about some changes she made in her life. And it was like she was talking about this idea that, you know, the healthier she was for herself than 
the better it was for everybody else in our life, and which is so true. And, and so much what the, the reflect the life you want concept is about is that the better I show up as a person myself, mm -hmm. then the greater positive impact I can have for everybody else in my life. Yeah, I have a top five, and number one is myself. Yeah. I'm, as, even as a mother, as a wife, as all the things, number one has to be me. Yeah. If I don't create that foundation, none of the other things fall into place. Yeah, we talk about the reflect. The L is to love yourself and to let others know you, uh, you love them. And I always talk about this idea is I, I can't give from an empty cup. Mm -hmm. yeah. So i got to love myself. i got to take care of myself. And uh, then I can show up better for everybody mm -hmm. else in my life and pour more of me into them because I'm healthy. Myself. And also receive what they have to give. Right? Absolutely. I can't, I can't take it in if, if I don't have it to give. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever read the book, The Go-Giver? I have not. I'm going to have to get you a copy. <laughs> so uh, one of the co-authors, uh, Bob Berg, was on, on this show podcast as a guest uh, a few months ago. And the go-giver, first, there's kind of five laws of stratospheric success. And the first four had to do with giving. And the fifth one has to do with being open to receiving. Mm -hmm. So the more you give, you've got to be ready to receive. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'll have to get you a copy of that. That'd be great. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. So the level of acceptance, how did this come about, you know, that you, you got to this understanding that I need to be more aware of this and I need to be more intentional about this in my life? How did that come about? Well, this is rather personal, but I am in a program of recovery. Mm. Um, and the, in that program, we talk a lot about acceptance and how that translates into maintaining your serenity. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for your vulnerability and <laughs> sharing with that. Absolutely. But uh, I've, I've got some history in my own life of dealing with things like that. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I think um, in that context, I can see how that's very, very, very important. Absolutely. Yeah. I've, I've got to love myself. I've got to accept myself where I'm at right mm -hmm. now in order to be present for anybody else in my life. And accept others, too, because I'm one of those people that I have high expectations of myself, yeah. of others, and really, I mean, those expectations are premeditated resentments. They absolutely mm -hmm. are. Mm -hmm. And so I have to monitor that. And mm -hmm. by monitoring those expectations, my level of acceptance is directly linked to that. So knowing that I have these high expectations, I have to have a super high level of acceptance at all times. That's, that's a really uh, keen insight, and I can think back... Uh, when I was younger, especially when I worked in manufacturing roles, um, I've, I've had very high expectations of myself uh, most of my life. And uh, I didn't always realize when I was younger that I was projecting all that on everybody else. Uh, and once I gained a greater awareness of that, I used to say, you know, if you were meeting 80% of my expectations, you were probably performing at a very high level. But I was really putting unnecessary pressure on people that uh, worked with me mm -hmm. because my expectations were so high. Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't have the same appreciation I have now for work-life balance and things like that and uh, families and whatnot. So uh, that's, that's crucial. So you've learned to have a higher level of acceptance for yourself, higher level of acceptance for others and where they're at, Absolutely. and be acutely aware of where you're at and whether or not you need to adjust in the moment each day. That's really cool. I have cool. to do it. That's really cool. <laughs> well, as, you're, as you're going through the day, how do you recalibrate or how do you make adjustments or what, what is it that triggers or you become more aware of something if you're like out of 
balance with where you want to be? I think there's a level of internal discomfort. Okay. I can feel like my shoulders come up physically. I can yeah. feel that stress, the normal stress reactions come in. Yeah. Uh, but I know what it feels like to have a type of level of serenity and peace. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so when I'm not there, I'm pretty aware of it pretty quickly. Yeah. So it's physiological, it's emotional. Mm -hmm. You're using those as cues to tune in to I'm not quite where I want to be. Then how do, how do you, what's the best way you've found to then recalibrate or moderate if something's like that, that cue's coming up and you're not being where you want to be. What, what have you found that's most helpful to recalibrate or moderate in the moment? Sure. So for me, it's always about pausing. It's okay. always about taking, taking that beat. And if I need more than three seconds, mm -hmm. then it's three seconds. There's a four by four breathing technique that I'll use. Okay. Um, if it takes longer than that, then I need to step away and, and come back later. Yeah. For sure. I did a session for some military spouses on conflict management yeah. and just those three things, just being able to pause, like if you just initially just be able to pause and really, that helps me listen too, because mm -hmm. I will be one who, and I think most of us are, right? Especially when we're talking to coworkers or spouses, we will start talking in our head, figuring out that response. Yeah. And if I can pause, then I will start to listen again. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that concept uh, Stephen Covey wrote about years ago, seek first to understand, then they understood. And the, to listen for understanding as opposed to listen to responding is a different kind of act of listening. It's really a skill set, yeah. And sometimes I think, I love being here in North Carolina. So I am, I'm from Northern Virginia and we move fast. You know, DC life's a little different. It's easier to do that here. People <laughs> aren't as put off when you take a couple seconds to respond as they, yeah. they are in the uh, DC metro area. <laughs> so that's kind of nice. It's kind of mm. nice to be in a little slower lifestyle for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, it's funny, I, you know, I grew up out in the Seattle, Washington area. I remember being back for uh, my 30th college union at Gun. 30th college reunion at Gonzaga University in night I graduated in 1984 so that would have been 2014 seven years ago and it was funny people they would comment on my uh, speech pattern or my accent now that I had <laughs> even my family back west you know they, they'll comment every now and then that if, if I haven't seen a relative in a number of years you know I've got more of a southern tone but it, it is definitely a, a difference um and I, I, one thing I really like that people seem to be genuinely friendly and that there's something true, true to this concept of Southern hospitality. Mm. Uh, you get a little further down from the Mason Dixon line, a little further South and, until you get to like way, way South and then it becomes more, uh, a little different culture down in Miami and Southern Florida. But, um, that was one of the first things I noticed when we moved here was that when people asked you how you were doing, they genuinely wanted to yeah, know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're generally concerned about your well-being. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I was just, I was thinking of uh, some sayings that you, it, that are part of the Southern vernacular, but I'll have to think about that for a second. So you've learned this level of acceptance is important to you. You've learned how to recalibrate or moderate it within yourself, the skills of just like pausing to listen more effectively, breathing exercises to kind of, moderate where you're at emotionally I think too it because my husband is retired now and we have this forever home mm -hmm. I'm not in a constant survival mode I'm not in a constant okay where are we going next what are we doing I can 
I can focus on myself. I'm not worried about what school the kids are going to go to, how I'm going to find a doctor, where am I going to work, what am I going to do? I'm not worried about that. I can kind of take that time now that I Mm -hmm. couldn't do before. I just couldn't. Survival mode. Yeah. Yeah. That is challenging. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How many deployments was your your husband involved in? I tried to think the other day, and I, I think it was five. Yeah. 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 One was enough, but five, that's a lot. <laughs> and they were all at different times and in different ways. Yeah. Whether he was, you know, grabbed as a one-off um, to go to Cutter from Okinawa, mm-hmm. or it was something we could prepare for. They were all so different, mm-hmm. uh, and they were all with different levels of support in the yeah. area. Uh, being from Northern Virginia, lucky to have a place to be stationed where my family was close by yeah. and not everybody had that and different levels of support from the command, different levels of support from the other spouses. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, deployment is, is hard. What I think is hard now is that I'm so used to not having him around and making all of the decisions for the kids because, you know, Oh, we can plan a vacation, but I don't know if he's going to be able <laughs> yeah. to go. Uh, having to let some of that go was really, <laughs> was really hard. But yeah, deployments, deployments are deployments. Um, mm. You create this really cool family, though. I have friends that I will have for the rest of my life because we supported one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Came together. and mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that military spouse uh, community is strong and vibrant uh, and is critical when, Absolutely. when those things are underway going on. That's really cool. Well, I, I, I'm imagining that that, because of those experiences, your capacity and empathy than for what you're doing now, uh, more formally, whether it was a family resource officer or now with the university system, uh, you have a great deal of compassion and empathy for, for helping people in those roles. And you could put me in a room with anybody and I'll find something in common with them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you've learned how to do that. Yeah. Yeah, and just by the fact of living all these different places too mm-hmm. and really getting to know people and realizing you know, you talk, you, this network is crazy, right? You meet somebody and you never know what, how you can help that person or how that person can help you Mm -hmm. and being able to ask for help. Yeah. And and, and that's something important that, especially in the the military, oftentimes we, we as military service members are, we're kind of wired and geared towards not asking for help necessarily. So Mm -hmm. having to teach ourselves to be willing to ask for help when we need it is important but the spouses are probably better geared towards doing that or recognizing when it's needed if you don't do that naturally then you will be beaten into submission into doing (laughs) it because you're going to have to yeah there's no nobody can stand alone as an island when you have a a spouse who's in a a dangerous place yes absolutely well, it's it's great that you're you're in the role that you're in and the capacity you're in and able to provide that level of support and training to others that because uh, you can speak from your own life experience what that's like. So, acceptance comes from this place of gratitude. I'm wondering what what if anything else that you're learning now in this process that you're in or this transition now that your husband's in the retired state and you guys are more in a more permanent home kind of state, um, what else that you're learning and growing in for yourself that is beneficial that you might want to share with others? 
Sure. So I think, you know, everybody talks about meditation. You need to meditate and mm -hmm. do all these things. I have such a hard time with meditation. Yeah. So what I've done for myself is I, the volleyball court is how I meditate. Okay. Right. Going to the gym. That's how I meditate. Yeah. Because basically it's taking my mind off of whatever it's on and making physically making my body do something to not think about any of those things. Mm -hmm. So for me, I have to do those things. Those are things that I would put to the side, especially when I had small children or I didn't have a spouse around taking care of myself physically is mm -hmm. really important. And I can tell that change in my mood if I don't exercise or I don't, you know, get on, get on the volleyball court or something. Yeah. Yeah. So those things, I think every day is, is new and growing too. So some of the things that I learned just by reading your reflect acrostic, it's, I'm just open, right? I'm open to trying new things. Mm -hmm. I'm open. I hardly say no. Uh, and sometimes that works out and it's, it's great. And I get to meet great people and sometimes yeah. it's not, and that's okay too. But I think that at this time in my life, I, I can do that. And my husband has uh, our, for our family, we've chosen for him to stay home with the children. Mm -hmm. So that emotional labor piece of what we were doing, when we were both working full time mm -hmm. is completely removed. So that is just a wonderful way for me to be able to really invest and really invest in my own career in a way that I've never been able to do. Yeah. So that's probably very rewarding. Absolutely. And you're probably very grateful that he's willing to do that. It was something he wanted to do, and mm -hmm. he's rocking it. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome that he's willing to step into that role and that space and support you now that you've supported him and his whole military profession. Now he's supporting you and your... He's a bigger feminist than I am. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's cool. That's interesting. So acceptance, gratitude, uh, learning how to take care of yourself are all things that you're working on and uh, it's helping you to be more effective in what you're doing. I like to ask um, each of my guests two key questions. Uh, and the first question I like to ask, you know, reflect the life you want is the theme of the Mirror Book Project with my co-author Maria Spears. Reflect the Life You Want is the name of this podcast. If you were to think about, is there any one thing right now that you're working on, especially hard, we've talked about a couple of things that you're working on for yourself, to reflect more of the life that you want, what would that one thing be? I, you know, I live, I live life one, one day at a time, sometimes mm -hmm. one minute at a time. Mm -hmm. And I think that's how, if, if we could all do that, you know, I, I'm not against planning. I'm not against any of that. But if we could all take that acceptance piece and that gratitude mm -hmm. and just look at exactly where we are right now mm -hmm. and recognize that it's it's good enough. And if you're doing something that you really enjoy, mm -hmm. those little things will stack up to that life that you want. Mm -hmm. I have the life that I want because I'm grateful for every single thing that I have. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like you're you're really concentrating on being fully present. Absolutely. Both with yourself and with others in the moment and just living life right here, right now. Yeah. That's really cool. That's really powerful. I, I think uh, the skill and the capacity that, to be fully present for ourselves and for others and the more effective we are at that, the richer our life is, the more we enjoy what we get to do every day. And you said it. It's a skill, and I have to practice all the time. Yeah, yeah. It is. It is a skill, and it's uh, it's something I've gotten better at for myself, especially in the last couple of years. 
I'm working at it just like you every day. Mm-hmm. Like how, how do I show up being the best version of Tim each and every day so I can show up for you, for this podcast episode, or for anybody I get to serve as a real estate client or a, a coaching client. I just the, the more I work on being a better version of myself every day, the more I'm better able to serve everybody else in my life. That's really cool. So you've worked on that for yourself just to live more in the present and be more accepting of yourself. If you had like one piece of life wisdom, either that you might share with an earlier version of yourself or you might share with our listeners or anybody else that you might encounter, what would be that one thing that you think that others could reflect more the life that they want to live? That's a lot of pressure. (laughs) (laughs) breathe yeah right Uh, I I don't I think that we limit ourselves yeah Um, people are more willing to help you achieve your goals than you think Mm. and asking for help is okay it's absolutely okay whether that's contacting somebody on LinkedIn who has the job that you think that you want you know you have that life goal contact that person yeah I was always afraid to to ask for help to to find a mentor, to find somebody, to ask somebody to be my mentor. You're really amazing. Can you help me with this? Yeah. Asking for help, asking for asking for the goals that you want. Mm-hmm. It's you're, you might hear no, and that's okay. No is okay. Yeah. I was so afraid of no. <laughs> so afraid of no. Yeah, absolutely. Asking for help is definitely okay. So what has happened that caused you to be more willing to ask for help or uh, to not be afraid of asking? that you've grown in? I'm still afraid to ask for help. Uh, I, but I encounter that fear. The more, the more I do it, the easier it becomes. Okay. So the more I practice that, the easier it becomes. But it's still, it's still really hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's still really hard. Absolutely. I think that um, as I get older, I realize that it's not a, as big a deal as I think it is. Mm-hmm. I like to play things up in my mind. Mm-hmm. I'll tell myself stories. Yeah. about this um, that aren't true <laughs> most of the time, and you don't know what the story is until you ask. Yeah, yeah. I was just thinking about Brene Brown. I don't know if you've read any oh, of her yeah. stuff or listened to any of her stuff. <laughs> yeah, and, absolutely. And, and she talks specifically about this idea. You know, the stories we tell about ourselves, specifically in, like, in relationship to uh, someone else. Like mm-hmm. We've imagined this thing that we need to have a hard conversation with somebody about, and how oftentimes it's, it's much, much worse in our own mind than it really is, and if we would just go do it and uh, ask for the help or have that challenging conversation mm-hmm. we need to have, it, that how much better it ends up being than we ever might have imagined. Absolutely. Our, yeah. Well, that's cool that you're, uh, you're stepping into an area of growth for yourself, that you're being – there's a level of vulnerability, I think. And, and Brene Brown, again, again, she talks a lot about that. The, there is sometimes that that risk I got to take and that humility I got to have mm-hmm. to say, hey, I'm not I don't have all the answers here. I need a little help or will you will you assist me with this? And but I find that um, the more that I'm willing to do that, there's all kinds of people that are willing to help me. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I suspect that there's lots of people in your life that are cheering you on like, you know, go Joanna, you know, right. and if if. Uh, there's probably more people that are willing to help and ready and able than we even realize mm-hmm. if we just step out there and say, hey. 
And if we're cheerleaders, right, if we're reflecting oh, that, yeah. then people are going to be our Absolutely. cheerleaders too. Yeah. yeah, it creates a space where it's safe, like especially especially in, you know, you, you're in a leadership role, I'm in a leadership role, different capacities, but uh, when we are willing to risk that vulnerability and demonstrate that humility towards others, it creates a space where it's safe for mm -hmm. others to do the same. So, oh. Joanna's doing that. Why don't I? Tim's doing that. I, you know, it must be okay. Yeah. Let, let me be willing to uh, go ask for the help. Well, it's been uh, a joy to get to have to hear some of this from you. We haven't seen each other in a couple of years since pre-COVID, mm -hmm. and um, you know, it's been it's been cool to kind of watch. You got your own podcast that you do sometimes too, right? Well, yes. I remember the name of that. Yes. So. We started one uh, during the pandemic to kind of just the whole thing about being at home, and mm -hmm. we recorded a whole bunch of episodes. It was called Mildly Entertaining. So yeah. we started with that podcast yeah. and just helped us stay connected to our colleagues and then also like our friends in the community. Mm -hmm. So we finished that one. You know, COVID's over. If you want a COVID time capsule, you want to just remember those good old days about <laughs> what it was like to set up your home office, go ahead and listen to that one. Yeah. Um, I don't think any of us want to do that. But if you do, uh, the new one is veteran-friendly. Uh, we wrapped up season one where we went and interviewed some of the other UNC system schools, their military offices, mm -hmm. and talked to them about what they're doing. Wonderful way for us to collaborate. I think it's all really selfish. You know, we just wanted to see what they were up to and share some best practices, maybe steal some of theirs too. Uh, now we're um, interviewing military supportive employers okay. from, you know, a, a startup to uh, large corporations. And so that's our, our season two of Veteran Friendly. I'm really excited to go talk about what we've been doing uh, in the podcasting and some of our trauma-informed programming at the university down at the Student Veterans of America National Convention mm -hmm. in January. We get to kind of talk to some other schools about what, we, what we're doing. So, yeah, Veteran Friendly is the podcast, Veteran Friendly Podcast. It's teal. It's got some black lettering on there. It's, it's a fun listen, maybe. But for us, it's just a, a way to connect with people and to, to share those best practices and just, this is a unique way to get to know somebody too. You oh yeah, that? absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's a different level of oh, vulnerability yeah. and relationship. <laughs> it is, uh, you know, I, I enjoy getting the opportunity to sit down with people and just have these incredibly rich conversations. And oftentimes I learn something about someone I know a little bit and I learn something at a much deeper level. I get have a greater level of respect. And I also recognize, hmm, there's something there that if I need help with something that I might be able to reach out to them and vice versa. Mm -hmm. um, just have these really rich conversations and then getting to follow up from them and then do something with, it's like, you know, we talked about, that. oh, we need to follow up on that, talk about that. Just like, the, you know, this one book I mentioned, The Go-Giver, I could get you that. Uh, but it's just like, there's so much then that can come from this. Mm -hmm. And it's just you and I sitting down having a mm -hmm. conversation, but hopefully the people that listen to this, they're going to be blessed by that. They're going to hear something that you shared today that's going to be an encouragement to them, or maybe they're more willing to be more vulnerable, or maybe they're willing to work on their self-acceptance, or maybe they're more willing to ask for help because here's someone they admire in the community or somewhere else across the Ethernet, you know, at a, a different university, a military affairs program, they, they want to reach out and say, hey, Joanna, I heard you on Tim's podcast, or I heard you on Military Friendly Podcast. I'd like mm -hmm. to connect and learn more about how you're doing what you're doing. And um, it just ends up being a blessing for other people. It absolutely is. And what's fun is, 
seeing the connections that are made in your network. I, a lot of times people will just send me uh, random emails, military spouses, I want to get a job or I want to do that. I'm happy to help yeah. anybody. And it's, it's wonderful to be able to see how you can cross paths with other people that you didn't even know and how you can collaborate and grow something amazing. Yes, yes. Yeah. it is. It's a lot of fun. Well, you are doing a great job representing the University of North Carolina, Wilmington University, uh, North Carolina system, helping military spouses, helping uh, people on active duty thinking about that transition, helping to develop um, opportunities for people as they transition. And uh, what you guys do with the University Military Affairs Program there at the university is vital. Mm -hmm. we got so many veterans going to school here in our system, and uh, I just appreciate what you're doing, appreciate your, your husband's service, appreciate what you've done to support him over the years, and it's just exciting to see you learn and grow and make an even bigger impact in, in the community and beyond. Thanks, Tim. Well, thank you for being a guest of the Reflect the Life You Want podcast. If people want to reach out to you and connect with you or learn more about the programs or the podcast you have, what is the best way to connect with you and the programs you have and learn more? Sure. So our, our website has all of those things, uncw.edu and then backslash military. Okay. That has all, all the things, the podcasts, the, the programming that we do, any of those questions. My contact information is there, okay. all of that. And then I'm on LinkedIn and just Joanna DeMott, D-E-M-O-T-T. -T. Awesome. Yeah, find me. All right. <laughs> Well, I always say to my guests, go out there and live a life of greatness. Will do. All right. I appreciate you being here today and being with us and sharing all your life wisdom and learnings.